doesn't want a gift? Who doesn't want a present? It shows them that out there, there are people who really care about you. You've got an army of volunteers that pack the boxes. Our volunteers for Operation Christmas Child, I believe, are the lifeline of this project. To think that we can be part of something that's going to reach over 10 million kids this year, that's exciting. When the box ends into the hands of a child, that is not the end. The big impact at the end of the day is lives that are changed. It's my prayer that God will use you to tell others about his son, Jesus Christ. Operation Christmas Child is creating a ripple that's going around the globe. So it started with a box, and it's ending with communities and countries being changed. You know, these boxes are like a candle. It's a little bit of light that you take into a dark part of the world, and it makes a difference. Thank you, thank you. Very good. We want the children of the world to know that there is a God. He loves them. Good morning. So the Operation Christmas Child boxes are available in the atrium. Uh, they're on the table against the uh, uh, west wall. And uh, you can pick those up and take those home and fill those. Um, it's really, really fun to do that. Um, it's, it's fun to, to have your kids participate in that and help them have an understanding of where those are going to go and what those are going to be used for. Um, it's fun to even sort of track your box. You can digitally do that or online do that and see where it's going in the world. And uh, that's kind of a neat thing, too, because it's not just something you do and then generically hand it off to somebody at the post office or at the UPS store or, or here at the church and then forget about it. You get a chance to see that it lands somewhere in the hands of some child, kind of as you've seen uh, on the video. So the Operation Christmas Child boxes are available at the atrium. There's also the coins for kids. Don't forget that. Those are both actually due back uh, on November 15th. Uh, seems like a long way away, right? You realize that we're nearing the end of October already? I know it's kind of crazy, but time is going fast. So uh, make sure you get a hold of those things uh, and, and participate. Brianne has an announcement this morning, and it looks like, if I understand it right, she may even have a little bit of a helper so or a prop. I'm not sure which he is today, right? He's a handsome kid. All right. Um, last week I was up here, and again in the bulletin this week, there's a little blue. This is white. I'm well aware of that. There's a little blue forms in your bulletin. And if you look at that, that explains the youth group um, is heading out to yeah, once every four years. There's the International Youth Conference, um, and we are raising funds. This is the one time that we plan on raising funds, once every four years from the church. And um, if you look in there, it kind of explains what's going on. Uh, we had 15 kids meet the deadline of registering. So um, we are in the middle of raising those funds. Um, last week, I had someone that's giving $100 to wash a car. I have someone that's donating $100 just to sponsor somebody. I have um, someone in Florida said if we can clean his house inside and out before he comes back, he's going to be donating funds. I made two pies and auctioned them off in Holmes County for $500. So you kids, where's youth group kids? You're coming to my house to pick up sticks, and I'll give you the $500. Um, so we are well on our way. We have another family that has another family that has chores for us inside and out to do um, to raise funds. So if you have anything in the back, I have this. I have this work order form, and it asks for your name, for your phone number. For what task you want us to do and how much. So if you could come up with ideas and fill out a work order form or call us and let us know, that'd be great. What was wrong with my announcement today? Someone? <laughs> this is on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Giving an announcement with the kid in your hand. He's cute. But did you guys listen to half of what I said? I have four more weeks of child care for kids of impact, and then I'll be teaching like this. So if you are interested in doing child care on Wednesday evenings for kids of impact, so Billy and Megan and myself can teach without rah, 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 rah in my hands, let me know. Um, you need to be over a certain age and pass a background check, I think. That would probably be good. That's, so yeah. thank you, everybody. <laughs> thank you, Brianne. Oh, my goodness. I really only have one question... 
I really only have one question, but exactly how good does a pie have to be to be sold for $250? Really? What did you make them out of? Okay. I, that, anyway, so um, I'm lost, so lost track. Anyway, so there's lots of different things going on. I mentioned that the Operation Christmas Child boxes are out there. There is um, two things in your bulletin. You probably looked at them and went, why do I have two? Is that on purpose? I only need one. No, you need two. Really, did you think that Laura would have us do something and not be intentional about it? Come on. So one is for you. Okay, take it home, put it on your refrigerator or on your bulletin board or on your calendar or someplace where you're going to remember this event's going on. The other one is to give away. Okay, so it's a promotional item then. So keep one and give one is how that works. Now, along with this that's going on, we still have 20 trunks as of last count. I went out and counted the board today. There were 20 trunks that we still need uh, to be signed up for uh, so that you can come, do like Laura talked about last week, um, decorate your trunk, don't decorate your trunk, but make your trunk available uh, to, to pass out uh, some goodies uh, to those that are going to come and uh, maybe want to participate in Trunk or Treat, which is on the 31st from 4 to 5.30. You can also sign up uh, to help along with that. We also have coats for kids that we're getting ready to, to, um, to give those away. So that's on the 22nd. So that's this week that's coming up. And that's going to be from 5.30 to 6.30. So if you want to participate in the coats for kids, uh, whether it's giving out some snacks uh, or handing out the coats or whatever other things are going to be going on there, um, sign up for that. So the sign-up sheet for that is also uh, at the Welcome Center. Uh, let's see. You talked about Operation Christmas, Child and Trunk or Treat. And then BYF, Best Years Fellowship, uh, has an event coming up this coming weekend. Uh, so if you're interested in coming to that, make sure you sign up for that as well. So we sort of want to prepare our hearts for worship, right? And I uh, read something this week. Uh, C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors. And he was, he was quoted in a, in a discussion about worship and really about praise. And I'm going to read what he says. He says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. Think about that in terms of our relationship with God and whether or not our, our worship is actually seen as a completion of how much we enjoy God. Sort of think about that. You know, we have the, the weekends, especially in the fall. Think about all the things that we worship, you know, and, and, and we have a lot of examples of that, all of which are fine. But do we complete our joy in terms of our relationship with God like we can through worship? Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this opportunity that we have this Sunday and each Sunday to, as, a, as, an, as an expression of our joy and the completeness of it, uh, to worship you. We thank you for what our worship team does each week, Lord, for the effort they put in, for the openness that they have to your spirit to lead them. Uh, Lord, we want to be that open as well. This morning we ask that your spirit would speak to us, uh, would be in this place, Lord, um, and that we would be uh, conduits for your spirit, Lord, not a barrier uh, in any way, Lord, but just flow through us and uh, help us, Lord, this morning as we worship you. Uh, we can only worship you uh, a small degree uh, to which you're worth. We love you this morning, Lord, and thank you for all you've done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Are you ready to sing this morning? To sing? Stand with me, please, if you will. Let's worship the Lord together. Are you ready, kids? I know there's some kids over there. Let's do this, huh?
Let's continue to praise the Lord together. Don't be afraid to sing out. Sing out loud with everything you have in you this morning and just put everything else aside besides Him today, okay? serve an awesome God, do we not? And we are blessed 
Blessed to know him, have him in our hearts and lives. Father, we just stand before this morning rejoicing in our God who is awesome and majestic and powerful. Thank you, God, that you're everywhere present, that you know everything, Father. You know our needs, our struggles, our hearts. You know exactly, Lord, how to work in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that there's no place we can go where we're from your presence. Nowhere in heaven or on earth or beneath the earth. Father, you are there. And Father, I pray right now for those of us who stand here who maybe feel like we're a little lost or struggling, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would just touch our hearts and lives. Helping us to see, Lord, that you know exactly where we are. You know the depths of our hurt, the depths of our pain. You know, Father, the emptiness we feel on our hearts. The loneliness, Lord. And I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you would just make yourself very real to each one of us here, Lord. To know that if we trust you and believe with you, Lord, we are not alone. That we have a God who walks with us. Who can heal our hearts and our attitudes. Who can heal, Father, our minds and our relationships and our lives. We seek right now, Lord, that your spirit would just be poured out in our midst in an awesome way. That, Father, we could tune in to what you want us to hear and tune out, Lord, everything else. And that, Father, through the power of your spirit, we would be drawn into your presence. Jesus, we want to lift you up this morning in our midst. Knowing, Lord, that if you're lifted up, you will draw us to yourself. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. For the gift of your life, the gift of your blood the gift of forgiveness, the gift of peace, the gift of joy, the gift, Lord, of becoming part of your family, to being a child of God, the gift of a community we can sing and celebrate. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Father, we now stand before you about to give back to you out of what you've given us. They come from our heart, Lord, these tithes and offerings. They come out of our, our life for you. Bless those who give, Lord, and bless their gifts. May they be used for the glory of your kingdom to touch hearts and lives and change homes with the truth of Jesus Christ. For it's in your name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated.
Almighty God, don't we? Will you stand with us again? Sing, God is able. God is able. He will never fail. He is Almighty God. Greater than all we see. Greater than all we ask. He has done great things. Lives in us. Come. He defeated the grave. this one with you with us i know you'll know it bless the lord of my soul oh my soul worship his holy
come to you now asking oh Lord your spirit would now take your word open it to our hearts and our spirits our minds and our lives that father we might hear what you would have us to say that father your truth would nourish us and strengthen us and guide us and truly become the bread that nourishes us for it's in Jesus name we ask it Trust is an interesting concept, isn't it? Huh? You ever, you ever trusted something and it broke on you? I trust my emails. And I'll send an email. And it seems like it wanders in cyberspace for like three weeks. You ever had one of those do that to you? You know? See, where was it at? Because then it shows up on, you know, oh, I just got your email. I thought, well, I sent that three weeks ago. And once in a while... We'll get a voice message on our phone, like our daughter-in-law sent us two weeks ago. You ever get those? Huh? So we trust in things, and sometimes they can kind of uh, let us down a little bit, right? And even people, we trust in people, and sometimes they let us down too, don't they? Then we're called to trust in Jesus. And sometimes I think with all these other things that we trust in that let us down, it can be, wow, I'm, I want to trust Jesus, I want to depend upon him, I want to lean upon him but sometimes it can be hard because it seems like people have broken our trust things break our trust and so it becomes hard sometimes to trust in the Lord and what if he says I want you to do this for me just step out in faith and trust me in this then it becomes really a test of faith doesn't it we're going to be in the gospel of Matthew this morning or excuse me gospel of Mark Mark chapter 3 verses 1 through 6 It says, another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. 
Jesus looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at, this, at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Here's a man whose hand was deformed. It was bent, it was twisted. I don't know if he was born that way, if he was in an accident and it got broken and twisted, but he's got this shriveled hand. He couldn't provide for his family. I mean, people wouldn't hire him because they'd only get half a day's work out of a guy, right? Maybe he got picked on, you know, one hand Ezra or something like that, you know. Each day he would go out like they did in that day and age to find work because you would go out and you stand in, in the corner of a marketplace and people come by and hire you. So some guy's coming by and he's looking at these guys with two good hands and there's old one hand Ezra trying to hide his bad hand behind him hoping he'll get hired so he can go out and make a little money that day so he can come back and buy some food to feed his family. And maybe he would go home each week and, or each day and his wife would say, did you get work today? And he'd say, no, not today. And he would just see the hurt in her eyes and maybe even hear the, the cries of his children as they were going to bed hungry that night. He may say, why, God, why have you done this to me? Why, God, why have you allowed this to happen? Lord, it, it doesn't seem fair. I wonder how many times he may have wandered out and just kind of wept, not wanting his wife and his kids to see him crying because... He felt like he was only half a man because he had this shriveled hand and he couldn't provide for his family. He goes to synagogue, as probably was his habit, on Saturday. And he settles in his place. He's probably got his robes around him. Probably he's got his hand tucked up under his, his arm so nobody could see it, you know. Although they all knew one-handed Ezra. And he's sitting there and there's, there's this itinerant rabbi that comes in. And he, he's kind of sitting there and looking at this rabbi. And suddenly this rabbi stands up and looks right at him. And it feels like he's looking right into his heart, right into his spirit. Like he knows all the wounds and all the brokenness and all the pain and all of the loss he feels. And it's like he has compassion on him. Not like the Pharisees. The Pharisees thought his hand was crippled because he had sinned or somebody had sinned in his life. That's how they put it together, right? If you had a health issue or something, it's because you'd sinned or somebody sinned and you're paying the price. But this rabbi seemed to look at him and have compassion. And out of the blue, he, we're looking right into his eyes. He says, child, come here and stand in the midst. What does he do? He's kind of nervous. Child, come and stand in the midst. And so finally he, he gets up and he walks in, into the middle of everybody, kind of not liking to be the center of attention. This rabbi says, child... Stretch out your hand. Oh, what does he do? Is, he, is, this, is this guy going to make fun of him? Is this gonna, gonna, guy going to use him as an illustration of, of somebody that sinned and rebelled? Child, stretch out your hand. Can you just imagine him slowly taking it out and bringing it out? And all of a sudden he feels maybe this tingling sensation run up his arm. As he goes like this, the fingers straighten and he holds out his hand like this and all of a sudden he's made whole? It's like, wow! Wow! And he turns to look at the Pharisees because the other ones have accused him of sin and all he sees is scowls in their faces. They're angry. They're upset because this itinerant rabbi had the gall to heal on the Sabbath and you're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. I think they probably stormed out of the gathering. Stormed out of the synagogue service. You see, the man had a withered hand, but the Pharisees had withered hearts. And their broken and twisted hearts were more broken and twisted than the man's hand ever was. They didn't care that, that there was this man who couldn't work and, and, and provide for his family. All they cared about was their laws and their legalism and all the do's and the don'ts. They didn't value the dignity of this man. They just valued themselves. And Jesus had this man stand up in the center of everything. You know why? I think he's trying to say, Pharisees, look. Look at this man who's broken inside, who's wounded inside, who's hurting inside, who, who wants to help his family but can't. Look at the wounds in his life. And see the wounds in your own heart as well. That you would judge him. And be angry at him. And, and call him a sinner because his hand is withered and twisted. 
He wants them to see the wounds in their own heart and the brokenness in their own hearts. But they're so prejudiced against Jesus. They're so prejudiced that they can't see that. They would rather have done harm to Jesus and let this man struggle the rest of his life than seen a man made whole. It's almost as though Jesus saying to the man with the withered hand, Child, God is using you today. God is using you to speak to these whose hearts are so wounded and twisted and broken they can't see beyond their own legalism. Because it says he looked around at them with anger, being upset at the stubbornness of their heart. You see, I think faith and trust and emotional and spiritual and mental health go hand in hand. Now, I'm not telling you up here this morning that if you have enough faith, you're going to be healed. Okay? I want want to make that plain. I believe God does heal. I believe He can heal. But I believe many times the healing that God chooses is healing different than what we want. It's the healing that we need. Okay? You see, I think sometimes we're struggling with so much pain physically that we come to God and say, God, I've got this arthritis. It's really killing me. Would you please heal me? He went, bang, it's gone. Healed. Fixed, right? And I think God can do that. But most of the time, God says, that's not what needs healed in your life. That's not what I need to work on. You see, because you see, there's things like this that make me feel like I am a failure. I feel like I think God doesn't care for me. I don't think God can do something. Or I'm all wrapped up in myself. And who am I looking at but me? You ever notice that? We can get so wrapped up in our wounds, so wrapped up in our pain, so wrapped up in what's going on. We get our eyes so much on ourselves that we can't see God. And so God is working in our lives trying to say, let's let's change this a little bit. You need to get your eyes off yourself and get them on me. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, And Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but him who died for them and was raised again. Hear that? Stop the intermittent passage. Paul says, if you're living for Jesus, that's what you need to be doing. He died that you should no longer live for yourself, but you should live for him who died and rose again. And I think as Christians, God sends us that, that question. When we're struggling with all these pains and heartaches, God's saying, who are you living for? Who are you living for, Mike? Living for Mike or for me? My son came into the world. I came into the world as Jesus. And I, I, I was nailed to this cross and shed my blood for you and let you see what it means to live selflessly so that you might learn to live selflessly for me. And Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ that way, we do so no longer. Catch this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Hear that? God works through Jesus to recreate us. We no longer think about ourselves. We're no longer the center of our lives. We no longer think like the world thinks. Hear that? The old has gone. You're a new person in Jesus Christ. See, part of the problem in in one of all these kind of things of trust and healing is it's getting our eyes back on Jesus realize I'm a new person whether my body's crippled or broken or whether I'm wounded I'm a new person in Jesus the idea is right now you are new in Jesus it just comes to the point whether we say well I believe that or not that's kind of the struggle isn't it we say we believe things here we understand them here but somehow they get kind of reprogrammed before they get here, right? If we really believe we're a new person in Jesus Christ, then we live our lives differently. We can trust Jesus. We can depend upon Jesus. We can lean upon Him no matter what we go through in this world. Amen? See, it's all about what Jesus has done for you and what Jesus has done in you. Who has believed our message, Isaiah writes? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, 
like a root out of dry ground. He had no stately form of majesty that we should be attracted to him. Nothing is in his appearance we should desire him. But he was despised and forsaken of men. A man of sorrows from whom he was suffering. Like one from whom he hid their faces. And we did not value him. But surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. But we considered him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Because all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Do you believe that? From Isaiah 53, do you believe that? See, it's all about what God has done. His, his punishment brought us peace. And the word for peace means he's made us whole. He's made us complete. He's made us one. And has, has the concept of being safe and intact and, and, and a state of mind that's free from all, all anger and rage and pain. It means we're at ease. You are whole in Jesus Christ. Amen? What a wonderful gift he's given us. What a wonderful gift. All of a sudden, we don't need anything else other than more of Jesus in our lives. So many want to talk about eternal security. Can I talk about total security this morning? Okay? I'd rather talk about that. You see, I believe if we really understand what Jesus is telling us, then we are totally secure in him. I don't need anything or anyone else except more of Jesus in my life. Now, the world's trying to sell you a bill of goods, saying you need more of this and more of this and more of this and more of this and more of this, you know? And if you go out and eat this marmalade, you'll lose 45 pounds, you'll, you know, be rich, good-looking, and skinny, and everybody will follow you, right? And as, right, those hair commercials, right? If you don't use a certain hair, you know, hair shampoo, nobody wants to hang around you because you've got flakes, right? But he uses hair, right? And everybody loves you. Yeah, you believe that, don't you? How about them? Right? You got this guy that weighs about 400 pounds overweight. And they put him on one of these in three weeks, right? He looks like, I don't know who, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because we, we kind of swallow the lie that we need something else other than more of Jesus in our lives to feel good about ourselves, to be who we are, to be whole. And when we don't get it, then we feel wounded and broken and lost inside. You see, if I'm totally secure in Jesus, I accept myself for who I am. It's okay to be me, and it's okay to be you. We're all a little bit weird. The Bible says we're peculiar people, right? And I got that down pat, let me tell you, right? Was that an amen I heard back there? Blaze, yeah, okay. I should have known. Right? But you see, if I really believe in the security I have in Jesus Christ, it's total security, I'm free to be me. The be that God created me to be. I don't have to compare myself to anybody else. I'll never be as good looking as that actor on, on, on TV. I'll never be as rich as whoever you want to put in there, okay? I'm never going to drive a Ferrari. Okay? Really? Yeah, we'll get a low-end one, right? And this means I'm not threatened by other people's opinions. I'm not. I don't have to be threatened by anything anybody says. It means I don't need more money. I don't need more love, more acceptance, more anything other than more in Jesus. I mean, what freedom? I am free in Jesus Christ. Free from being defeated, free from feeling threatened, free from needing to defend myself, free from bitter thoughts, free from feeling like a, like a failure, from being anxious. All those feelings just show that I'm not really secure in Jesus. But he sometimes shows us those things, say, you know what? You need to really sell out to me and be secure in me. I freed you. If we believed it, we wouldn't have to worry anymore, right? Remember that old song? Don't worry. Thank you. Right? You don't have to worry in Jesus anymore. Because you have, you have his freedom. 
to be free in you. Someone would sit here and think, that may be all right for the person sitting next to me. But I don't think Jesus wants that for me. I, I don't think he, he can do that for me. You see, I have this and I have that. And I've been treated this way and I've been treated that way. And I've been rejected by friends and people I should have trusted. And that's probably true. But it doesn't mean God can't work in your life. You've been rejected, but it's not true that God can't work in your life. You've been wounded, but it's not true that God can't heal you. You feel lost, but it doesn't mean Jesus can't find you. You may be broken, but you know what? I find that Jesus can put the pieces back together again and make a more beautiful picture than ever before in your life. That's true. That was his message to the man with the withered hand. That was his message to the Pharisees. He can do that. See, it's really about how you see yourself and how you see Jesus. Why Jesus wants to use what's going on in your life to speak to you and to speak to others around you. It's a passage in John 9. It says, As Jesus went along, he saw a blind man. He was blind from birth. The disciples said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, he was born blind? And Jesus said, Neither this man or his parents sinned, but this happened, catch this, so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Hear that? It's like, Jesus, are you telling me that this guy's been born blind? So for this moment, he, I mean, he struggled and suffered for 30-some years of his life? And now, it's just so God can work right now in his life? That doesn't make sense, Jesus. Why, didn't, why was he born with sight? I think Jesus would say, you know what, child, you just don't understand. Can I be honest with you? Well, not that I haven't been honest to this point. I don't think I'm ever going to figure God out. I don't think you're ever going to figure God out. Beware of anybody that has God all figured out. Okay? The God I read in, in, in Scripture is so awesome and so great and so mighty and so whatever that we sung about this morning that this, what, three and a half pounds of gray matter? Seven pounds of gray matter? You got more than I got? We'll never figure God out. That's where trust comes in. It says, God, I don't know why I've walked where I've walked. I don't know why I've been broken the way I've been broken. I don't know why I've been wounded the way I've been wounded. I don't know why I carry this pain in my heart. But I believe in you anyway. And Jesus says, maybe it's because the work of God wants it to be displayed in your life. Jesus says this in John 9, 4. He says, as long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. I'm in the world. I'm the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud out of the saliva, and put on the man's eyes. Go, he said, wash in the pool of Siloam. The man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, but he looks like him. (laughs) But he himself said, I'm the man. Jesus healed him. In the right time, in the right way, in the right place, Jesus healed him. And I think he'll do that for, for, for you. In the right way, in the right time, Jesus can bring healing into your life. And just a little bit, we're going to open the altars. I'm going to invite you to come up and just ask God for healing in your life. Okay? Well, what if God says no? <laughs> Paul addresses that. 2 Corinthians 12, to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weaknesses. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delighted in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. Maybe the healing God wants to bring you say, look, yeah, you're weak. Yeah, you're broken. But I want you to see you have my strength in your weaknesses. When you're weak, I'm strong in you. You can do all things through my son who lives within you. My son has changed you. He's shaped you. He's given you life. And remember, you're secure in me. You don't need anything else but my love and my grace and my power and my spirit in your life. You're free. 
Yeah, you're still in pain. Yeah, you're still feeling wounded. Yeah, you're still being broken. But my power is made perfect in your weaknesses. Do you believe that? We find out we believe it when we walk there. I find out I really believe it when I get in those places where I have to trust in God's power to be made perfect in Mike. And when there's those times I'm sitting there shaking, God, I don't understand. He says, you're absolutely right, child. I didn't tell you that you had to understand. I just tell you to trust. And take the next step. That's what faith is. Maybe Jesus is saying something some to you like you feel like you're, something's withered in life. Step out. Come, kneel here. And let me touch your life. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your spirit. See, too often we, come, we want to come to Jesus and we want him to heal our bodies. And I think sometimes he wants to heal something else. And I'm finding it takes a lot more faith to not be healed in body and to walk daily in the pain than it does to be healed. So maybe he wants to just give you a greater measure of faith. Maybe he just wants to to say, my strength is made perfect in your weakness, child. Arise in my strength and live in my love and trust in my peace and walk in my joy and know the power of my grace in your life. Maybe that's what he wants to do. The worship team's going to sing here in just a second. And when they do, I just invite you to step out. Two things. If you just want to pray, you come to this altar and just pray. If you want to be anointed, I invite you to come to this altar and we'll anoint you and pray for you this morning. Okay? So if you're a person who believes in the power of prayer, maybe you just want to come and lay hands on somebody that comes up here, if there's five or six or seven that want to do that, I invite you to join us for that. Okay? If you can't kneel, then just let us know. We'll still lay hands on and pray for you, okay? For anointing and just for prayer. Say, God, I need your healing touch. Father, thank you. I just pray right now, Lord, that your spirit will just really touch our lives. Lord, there are wounds, there are broken pieces, there are heartaches, there are sorrows, there's grief, there's so much, Father, in our hearts. And Lord, sometimes we don't even know what to do with it. I pray, Lord, that each one who comes this morning, you'll respond. I ask you, Lord, to speak to them and touch their lives, their spirits, their minds, their bodies, their relationships, their hearts. And Father, let them grasp the depths of your power that's made perfect in their weaknesses. For Lord, I ask it in the name of the one who gave his life for us all, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand as we sing.
serve a good God, do we not? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the power of your word, the power of your life, the power of your presence. May we carry it, your light and your love and your grace into our world who needs you, Jesus, to be lights in the darkness and the salt of the earth. We ask, O Lord, in your name. And everyone said...